Hello, friends. It's Kirk Henderson from Mavs Moneyball. I am joined tonight by contributing writer Xavier Santos. Xavier, how are you doing tonight? Uh, not well, Kirk. Not well, <laughs> if I'm going to be completely honest. Um, full transparency, I had the Mavericks t- to win by a point and a half, and of course, they won by a point. So my pocket's <laughs> a little bit lighter tonight, um, and I'm in a lot of pain physically, emotionally, spiritually. So, yeah. That's why I'm at right now. Well, so for for those of you who don't know, and if you don't know, you should probably look at other things first before your podcast. The Mavericks won a nail biter against the San Antonio Spurs, playing on the second night of a back to back, one hundred nine to one hundred eight. It was really kind of a, I don't know. I'm 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 running out of adjectives to describe these Mavs games because they're really grindy. And the Spurs shot the ball better, generally played a better game, but the Mavericks came through with just enough clutch play from uh, star of the game, Jalen Brunson, who had 31 points and 10 boards. And then they eked out 15 points in 15 minutes from uh, Boban Marjanovic. And it was just enough for them to, to hold on. And you know, part of why we wanted to have Xavier on tonight is because we're one, we're trying to get some more folks on the pod, but then two, it's just Josh and I don't really know what to say about this team. I saw um, a Matt, former Mavs Moneyball contributor Austin refer to these wins as bad sex, which yeah. <laughs> <laughs> has just been killing me for like fifteen minutes because. They've won all five games that they, I mean, they, they're five and three, but then they have a point differential of like negative six because they've just been like mollywop the two other times of the game, the the three times that they've, they've played. And I just, I don't really know what to say about them. So, so before we beat the crap out of them, because I think you and I are feeling a little down on this, I do think we have to acknowledge some of the, the finer points in the game. So what did you like to see? Jalen Brunson. I think he really bailed us out at the end there. They were hunting the mismatch with Doug McDermott. So I like that they kept running the pick and roll over and over until they got the mismatch that they wanted. And then he was able to take advantage of it. Um, you know, I think three three back-to-back-to-back possessions he was able to score. And really, we needed that. You know, you could tell that Luca's legs weren't in it tonight. And really, we don't have anybody else that can really attack those type of mismatches. So I was happy to see that Brunson could step up and be that guy for us tonight. And I think in some key situations, we held up well defensively. We rotated well, not all the time, um, but down the stretch to keep us in the game long enough for Brunson to bail us out at the end. So that was encouraging. That's about yeah, and, all the positivity I have. Done. Well, and, <laughs> and we probably should have led with the fact that Christoph Porzingis missed his fifth straight game. Um We'll learn more about this eventually. He's on the bench. He's cheering. He's wearing stupid t-shirts, but he doesn't look uncomfortable. And anyone that has had back pain and back tightness, you know what that looks like. And so we're to the point now where it feels like there's something else at play, either a larger injury or they're working something out behind the scenes, but he's being a good teammate. He's there. And so he didn't play again. Maxi Cleva didn't play again. And then on the other side of the ball, um, who was the spur that was declared out late um, with COVID, uh, COVID stuff? What's what's the guy's name? I can't remember. Burke? Yeah, Pirtle. 
Jakob Pertl. Oh, per- oh, right. oh, for the Spurs, Pertl. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, so he yeah. was so it was like it was kind of a battle of small ball to a degree with uh, you know, which was why Boban ended up playing such a such a big difference, and so you know during the game as as well, um, Reggie Bullock didn't play hardly at all, and so we ended up getting an extended look at at Malcolm Brown. The Mavs really had to sort of dip into into their reserves. Looking at the roster, they had eleven guys play at least six minutes tonight, which um for a game that I, I think they really wanted and kind of needed to win was not something I, I would have expected but it was it so gimmicky it, you know it, it just it, it's like it's like what Carla had to do against the Clippers where we all right let's put Boban out there and let's just we're throwing stuff against the wall and let's see what sticks so tonight let's throw Boban out there let's try to take advantage of the fact that they have to play small ball and let's milk that, you know, let's, let's have Jalen Brunson chase out mismatches on the perimeter. Just, just real gimmicky. And you would like, you would have hoped that we would have a better plan B if Luca's legs aren't in, or if he's too tired to really attack the paint consistently, that we would have a better plan B than that. Then, Hey, let's just throw Boban out there. Or Hey, Jalen Brunson, keep running pick and rolls until you get the, ma- you know, the matchup that you want. And that's the part where, you know, if I had, a better long-term outlook for the team, I would be ecstatic about tonight because, hey, ugly wins count the same as beautiful mm-hmm. wins. And so I would have been happy to just, hey, eke out the win, live to fight another day, we're on to the next team. But because I think everyone agrees that, look, we don't really feel too rosy about the long-term outlook of this team, then the ugly wins feel ugly, you know? Right. And, the team just isn't fun to watch, which for a team with – and I had seen that Matthew had put it in the Slack after I had tweeted it. For a team with Luka Doncic to not be fun to watch, I mean, that's an accomplishment. You have to agree, Kirk. Like, that's yeah. that's hard to do. And that and that and unfortunately, that's where we're at, you know? And it's tough as a fan. But it really feels like, like in terms of kind of assigning what is frustrating, these things all really feel interrelated because early in the season, I was pointing very quickly and harshly to Jason Kidd and to the plays. Now I feel they're giving the ball to Luca more and enough, to be quite honest. And he looks like ass a lot of the time. Um, he has yet to put on a game that I think he really looks good. He is not, you know, I've, I've been having kind of these debates with a variety of people where I just because he can make difficult shots doesn't mean he should always have to take them. And I don't feel that he's getting very much easy this season. Um, and it's it's kind of a grind in that respect, which then play. But but that is factored by the fact that KP and, and now uh, Maxi are out, which means there's a little less space. And then there's Dorian who couldn't hit the broad side of a barn Bullock who's yet to really find his stride. Like there's enough of these pieces that aren't fitting together right yet to where I can understand like the optimist would say, you know, they just need a few things to go right because I mean, you know, I, I you know this cause you do a lot of the, the gambling content. Like the Mavs are 29th or 28th in the league in field goal percentage and then bottom five in points per game. And those two things are like intricately linked because they're, I mean, they're shooting 41% from the floor and like the top team in the league is shooting 49%. Like that 8% is massive over the course of eight or nine games in terms of points and all sorts of things. So I'm not, I, I, I understand the argument that, that like the rights, you know, the, 
the the shots are going to start falling and there's some good times around the corner but i also don't i also have a hard time arguing against that because again like they're five and three am i making any sense no no no, completely it's just look the difficult part is that scoring across the league is down for everybody but even then the mavericks stick out like a sore thumb because we have luca and a lot of the other teams don't Mm -hmm. and so when you look at the people who aren't performing well really it's Dorian Finney-Smith, for example, he's just been really, really bad. His shot looks flat. He he on the when he shoots from the wings, it's not even close. I feel like he should be one of those players. I mean, he's shooting in the corner. He's shooting legitimately twenty percent from three. Yeah, like and, that and is they're not, not in and out. They're they're, they're long. <laughs> they're always long by six inches or a foot, or they're wide left. There's just no consistency to his shot. And like I said, you can survive that during the regular season. But we saw games last season where, for example, the Jazz. The Jazz were like, you know what? We're going to live and die with the Dorian Finney-Smith three. And there were some games where he made them pay. He hasn't been able to make anyone pay this this season. And so they're going to keep doing that. And then now, the, the encouraging part, Kleber, you know, when he came back, he looked different than he did last year. I think last year he was more of a hesitant shooter. There was that split second when he thought about it before he let it go. This year he's coming in ready to shoot as soon as he touches the ball that shot's going up it's going up with confidence and you can see the difference in the approach that Kleber had from last year to this year and I was third I was very encouraged by that then to see that you know that he's out that did hurt but ultimately if he's able to stay healthy for the majority of the season he is one of those players that really can elevate the team um because defensively he's a difference maker and when his shot is falling he opens up a ton of space for Luca. yeah yeah, I mean, the, the positives that, that I'm seeing is that I do feel, at least within these games that they're winning, is that their defense has been very good. The The challenge that that is hard to get across to people is that they're not playing good teams. <laughs> like, the Spurs are, are going to be a bottom a bottom eight team in the league. Like they're, they just, they're, they're, you put Luke on this team and they'd be, they'd be, you know, probably top 10, but they're missing that guy. Um, and, and that just becomes a struggle over the course of a regular season, no matter how much, you know, dispersed talent you might have. Even I feel to, to be honest, they probably have a little bit more depth than the Mavericks do in terms of just like rangy, you know, guard wing guys, but it doesn't really matter because they don't have the piece that, that puts it all together. And so it's like, I, I, I don't, you know, Josh and I, when we talked last night, we were both kind of like, eh, the Heat are just better. You know, it, yeah. it's hard to be mad about a better team. But then against this performance, they win a one-point game. And I feel that the Mavericks are certainly better than the Spurs, but I don't know how much. And I, 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 I don't enjoy, you know, I'm kind of a pessimistic sports fan, but like, I'm not, I'm not enjoying waiting for the wheels to fall off. And I, I don't know what's closer. You know, our, our colleague is talk thinks that, that, you know, a, a slight shooting regression is going to make things a lot different. And when I watch the games tonight where just shots aren't falling again, I can't help but want to buy into it. But I, I also don't see how certain aspects of this get, get better. You know, his argument has been to me, like Luca finds a way and yeah. that's a good argument. But it's also not looking great right now. He he can always create an open three-point shot for a teammate almost at will. But when they're not falling, sometimes he needs to take over. But I think right now, and I've heard you mention it 
um, numerous times. He's just not in good shape, right? And see, no. that's the thing. Of all the things about Luca that worry me, his game doesn't worry me. I don't want him to become like Joel and B. Joel and B. We've right. always thought, what if he just Oops. drops twenty pounds and just gets in shape? What would Joel and B look like then? And I just don't want to say that two, three years down the road about Luca because he's tremendous. But I wonder mm-hmm. if he's in elite physical condition, what would that do for his game? You know, and on nights where the teammates' shots aren't falling. Okay, well, now you go take over. But in order for Luca to take over, he has to have his legs underneath him. And he just, he just, his legs don't look like they're there to start this season, which is, you know, it's a shame because we thought that he'd be in better shape. He does look slimmer, but not necessarily in the best physical shape, you know, yeah. not the best game shape. And that's the part where I'm just like, you know, that's, you can't really work yourself into elite shape during the season. You well, know, and they and- played they played five games in seven nights. And so a couple of things we've seen, the Spurs and the Heat did this too. Like there have been some, it's because the Mavericks don't have Porzingis and, and, and Kleba. I don't believe they'd be able to get away with this if the Mavericks had at least one more shooter on the floor. But you're seeing these soft doubles and nearly triples at some point coming in Luka where he's getting kind of, like he gets below the free throw line and he's seeing a defender coming from his weak side, kind of like Dirk in 2006, 2007. And it's causing just enough problems. And the Mavericks as a team haven't adjusted at all where they watch Luca post up and the kind of cuts that I'm seeing off ball, like there, there's no like off ball screen action going on. Like Dorian's like the only one who, who tends to cut. And half the time when he cuts, I feel it's a lot different than last season where it's almost purposeless. And I'm hopeful, you know, with a couple of days off and maybe some practice time as they, as they review some film tape, Luca will, will be able to figure out ways to, to beat these sorts of things because, you know, he's finding the right shooter. That's one thing he's always been good at. He's finding the open man a lot of the time and the Mavericks just aren't knocking guys down. But the, the, the guy that's coming late on the double is really he's it's slowing him down a little bit his decision making isn't as quick because i think he's a little hesitant for the for the turnover because if he's you know if he's passing out of that like short corner area um if he's wrong it's a fast break going the other direction and so cool. i like i'm really interested to see like what happens with some of the tactics um because i i think that's affecting how he is kind of running the offense and then he gets frustrated and then these, you know, because he, he, I mean, man, he took a lot of air balls tonight. I've just, his whole game is really confusing. And I've, I I don't know what to do about it because I, to me, it's more than just the, the physical fitness after a couple of more games of watching him. It feels like there's just a little bit of, of him playing um, a little bit tentative at odd times and then being overly aggressive at others and it not working out either time. He, I don't, I don't, I don't think he has trust in his teammates, and with good reason. I think the mm-hmm. biggest thing about the shooters is they're not just letting it fly, right? I think the fact that a lot of them are shooting poor percentages on the season, and if they hesitate for that split second because they can't attack closeouts, that's just enough time for the for the defender to run them off the three point line, or for them not to let the shot go. And then they have to kind of reset the motion and try and create another shot again, which is exhausting for Luca. It's like, all right, I worked hard to get this open look. The guy hesitated. And now I have to go and do the same thing again to generate the same look. The only guy, God bless him, who shoots 
um, is Tim Hardaway Jr. He's the, mm-hmm. old, the only guy who's ready to shoot at all times. Dorian, you can tell if he thinks about it. You yep. know, Sterling Brown, Frank, the rest of them, you can tell when they're thinking about it. And look, you just have to be ready to shoot. And for a lot of our players, they're just, they're just not ready to shoot. Except Kleber, you know, before he got hurt, he looked like he was ready. But, you know, and I, look, I get it, right? It has to be exhausting for Luka, right, to have to work that hard. I mean, look at the Lakers. The reason they went after Westbrook is because it's unsustainable to ask LeBron to be the primary creator every night for 82 games. And especially a team like the Mavericks who, look, we're not that talented, so we're going to be fighting for our playoff lives. Every game is important. You can't just give up a game or two or three because that can be the difference between dropping from the fourth or fifth seed to finding yourself in a playing tournament, you know? Mm -hmm. And so it's just a lot to put on his shoulders. Physically, he's not that equipped to handle it yet, but he has so much talent that on any given night, he can transcend fatigue and transcend his teammates thinking it up and put on a performance to carry us. But it's just a lot to have to ask him to do that night in, night out, you know? And 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 one of the things that I have not been clear on when and and Josh either when we sort of harp on these early games is historically the first 20 games of an NBA season is very accurate in terms of being a playoff predictor. If if you're it's something like 92% of the time if if you're in the playoff hunt unless like a, a catastrophic injury happens after the first 20 games that's pretty you're you're going to likely make the playoffs. And so, yeah. like, the, the these early wins are pretty important, but I also sort of feel that there's, like, a real opportunity within their schedule for the bottom to fall out with some of the teams that they're playing. And so, you know, luckily, this a loss like this would have been would have been hard to swallow because they, they, they need to beat the bad teams, and then they have to figure something out against the better teams. Yeah, definitely. And I think I heard Matt Moore say this on one of his podcasts. He's like, for, for a playoff contender – he doesn't really look at how they do against other playoff contenders. He looks at how they perform against the bad teams, right? Take mm-hmm. care of business against the bad teams and then try to finish close to 500 against the, the you know, the, your fellow contenders. And then at the end of the season, you'll be all right. And I yep. think for us, that's the best we can hope for. Make sure that so. we beat the bad teams night in, night out. And against the playoff teams like the Heat, like the Nuggets, like the Bucks. hey, man, just hope that you can still win every once in a while and stay competitive that way. But we have to take care of business. So from that perspective, look, we got the win um, and we're five and three. But I think we're the most uninspiring five and three team in the history of the league. <laughs> but if I can real quick, I I don't know how much Washington Wizard basketball you've watched this season. None. And I've not had any time okay. to watch non-Mavs games. How's and, your guy doing? Oh, he's doing tremendous. He's, uh, he's lighting the world on fire. But no, but you – they're able to sit Beal down and not worry about a lack of playmaking because then Woody's there to kind of help pick up the load. And that's the one thing that we don't have. There are nights where Jalen Brunson can step up and be that, but there are going to be certain teams who match up well against him where he's going to struggle. Now today, yes, he was able to attack Doug McDermott. There are going to be a lot of teams where he that, that easy of a matchup will present itself, and he's going to struggle against some length and against some height. And so I just – we really could have did something by going after a secondary playmaker. All right, we didn't sign Dinwiddie. That hurts. But that's why somebody like Goran Dragic, and I know we've talked about him ad nauseum, but we need somebody like that. Even if even if you can, if that player can spell Luka for 10 to 12 minutes a game and help ease the burden for a few minutes a game, 
that should help keep Luca fresh for the fourth quarter so that he can attack the paint. And the one thing that worries me about Luca is that he's not even getting to the free throw line. When you look at his free throw rate, it's down from it, it's the lowest of his career. He's just not attacking the paint. Sometimes he's settling for that little fadeaway mid-range jumper a little bit too much. And I just really would like to see him attack the paint and get to the free throw line. And, you know, that helps. That also helps our defense as well. This is where the getting past guys thing starts to matter if they're going to call this game this way. Because he's getting in the lane the same way James Harden is and is just not getting the calls the same way James Harden isn't either. Um, and and it's because they're they're the the refs is Matt Moore explained something today earlier on, on Twitter where it's like the, the way the refs are interpreting it is if you're invading a defender's airspace with your elbow, they're not calling that a foul. They're just not, yeah. it's a no call. And Luca was really good at that last year. Is still pretty good at it this year, but it's just it's not a foul. So where he's going to get his foul calls are on post ups and on on real drives and not like the the really fun you know footwork based post shots where he's getting somebody on. You know, it's, he's had a lot of luck getting free throws going left and like shooting kind of like the weird Dirk fade where it's like he's shooting at such an odd angle the guys are hitting him, but. I agree with you. It's it's he'll figure it out. I, I think the the it's a long enough year. It's it's just it's it's odd to watch because I don't remember like a five or six game stretch like this since maybe maybe kind of around Christmas uh 2019, 2020 when he had the ankle sprains and was just sort of like coming back and, and was having a hard time. Um once the Mavs kind of got off to a good start, Porzingis was out for a few games and there's enough weird stuff that happened then where where it's it's just been a while since we've watched Luca feel like he's struggling, even though he's still putting up good counting stats. So, yeah. Well, thanks for hanging out. You got anything else before we go? Nope. I appreciate you giving me the time. All right, guys. This has been Kirk and Xavier, MavsMoneyBall.com. Remember to uh, check your feeds tomorrow afternoon for the green room, which I'm going to start up right after this. Um, and then I'm hoping to have Ben Collins on at some point uh, tomorrow. Uh, and then that podcast will go up Friday. We have, we have some ideas of, of content that's going to be coming up on Mavs Money Ball over the next two days. Because again, guys, we have two days off between uh, games and they played the Celtics Saturday night, which should be a real good game. Because um, the Celtics have been kind of on the struggle bus themselves. So as always, appreciate you listening, and we will talk to you in a few days.